Algar Productions. Algar Productions presents Sarcastic Voyage Theatre. Vintage style radio with a modern comedic sensibility. Featuring the unparalleled talents of the world-renowned Sarcastic Voyage unpaid voice acting players. And now, the radio adventures of Dotty. Delicious puffed rice cereal presents The Radio Adventures of Dottie, starring Sabrina Snyder. Today's episode, Revenge of the Robot Smith. Across the upper two-thirds of the North American continent, an unsung group of gallant men and women are protecting the innocent from all manner of threats, both invisible and improbable. While our brave soldiers, sailors, and marines watch the ground, the skies, and the seas, an altogether different outfit is watching beneath the ground, beyond the skies, and under the seas. Yes, it's the Ministry of the Unconventional for Canada and the United States. And you don't need to sass them about that lousy acronym because, brother, they already know it. Leading the way for MUCUS since the beginning is a man known only as the Colonel. I do have a proper Christian name, you pelrumptious crumagrackle. Only now it's a bloody state secret, isn't it? Classify back. Here at the Ministry, we've recruited the brickiest Americans and Canadians to investigate all manner of bamboozlements and, where foul play is detected, to deliver a right batty fang straight up their sodding jumpers. Whether it's fending off an invasion of Mercurian moon men from Venus, establishing diplomatic relations with creatures too strange and tentacle-endowed even for the pulps, or assisting a snowbound yeti who's about to give birth to a litter of adorable snowmen, M-U-C-U-S is there. And it's not just adults who are doing their part to keep reality safe for democracy. The ministry's new apprentice program sees motivated junior adventurers, some as young as seven, apprenticed to experienced field agents, like little Dotty here. This spunky 11-year-old serves proudly at the sides of seasoned MUCUS agents Matt Robotham and Ron Algar-Watt. Dotty saved our hides on more than one occasion. I'd say more than 30. I would also begrudgingly have to admit that in front of this microphone now that you've said it out loud. Yeah, Dottie's the best. I started out as the president of Mr. Matt's and Mr. Al's fan club. They brought me along on so many adventures that the ministry decided to make me their official permanent sidekick. It seemed to me that lots of kids out there would love to see the world and learn how to be a hero. The ministry thought that was a great idea, and the cadet program was born. And what of your parents, young Dottie? Oh, my folks don't mind my adventuring at all. They're proud that I'm getting an education better than I had ever have gotten in school. Often unseen, but never unappreciated. Agents like Matt and Algar, with the assistance of plucky helpers like Dottie, are making a difference in a world filled with unfathomable wonders and enigmatic dangers. Yes, from Peoria to Peterborough, from Tallahassee to Thunder Bay, from Milwaukee to Medicine Hat, MUCUS is leading the charge to defend ordinary people like you from extraordinary danger. Al, how many dungeons would you say we've been chained up in now? What, today or total? Either, both, I don't know. Look, the Ministry says go and capture this mad scientist who's building an army of super robots to conquer the planet, and that's what we do. You can't pretend that end up chained in a dungeon wasn't implied in those orders. I just hope we can find this, uh, what was his name again? Nobody knows his real name, but he calls himself the Robot Smith. Well, I've heard stupider. Oh, and this is probably him now. 
can't see. I got all tangled in my chains, and now I'm facing the wrong way. Do you mean? I mean me. Oh, him, the robot smith. Matt and Algar, you've infiltrated my lair. I see our rather heroic reputations precede us. <laughs> Silence! Look, fella, I get how you might think you have us at a disadvantage here, what with us being chained to your dungeon wall and everything. As dungeons go, I'd rate this one a six, tops. Ow! Okay, a seven then. Silence! Right. That's what I thought you said the first time. Just, just making sure. But we'll be out of these chains soon enough, and then your sinister plans are as good as foiled. Not if I have anything to say about it. Ow! What'd you hit me for? Dottie! The same. Oh, it's you. You two know each other? I think he was talking to my robot, Mr. Matt. Tabulating. Hold the line, please. You created him, didn't you, Mr. Robot Smith? That's why he sounds like you. Yeah, nice work. Are you admiring your own robot building skills right now? Ow! This robot was originally built for evil, but now he works for us. If that's a problem for you, Mr. Robot Smith. What's that, Dottie? Not Robotham. Robot Smith. Robotham. 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 Oh, robo, robot, robotham, robotham, robotham. Not to be rude, sir, but I'm gonna have to ask you to let my friends go now. <laughs> well, this doesn't bode well. Look out, he's reaching for a- Out of the way, Dottie. I'm gonna kill Matt and Algar with this ray gun that I'm pointing at them. Wait, when was killing us put on the table? Silence! Right, got it. Mr. Robotsmith, sir. I understand that you're unhappy with Mr. Matt and Mr. Al for infiltrating your lair. We were on a mission. Yeah, this guy's an international criminal. Shush. I'm trying to help you. But Article 2, Section 5 of the Treaty of Aquatropolis states that you are obligated to treat all prisoners with respect. What? And not kill them until you've officially filed your grievances through the appropriate channels. Is that a real thing? Is that a real thing? Silence! Ow! It sure is, and I have a copy of that treaty right here. Where would we be without you, Dottie? Probably also hanging in a dungeon. Here you go, mister. You can have a look if you don't believe me. <laughs> okay. Well, this isn't so bad. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Well, that doesn't sound right either, does it? What the? This is horrible. Curse you! I guess that means she was right. Silence! Ow! But I thought... The treaty actually says he's allowed to punch you within a certain tolerance, Mr. Al. Oh, good. Okay, so what happens now? Well, a duly appointed representative of MUCUS... Yeah, that's easy for you to say. We know. What, what a, a horrible, horrible acronym. acronym. That representative can negotiate for their release and listen to whatever demands you might have. Unfortunately, I'm only 11, so it can't be me. But I can go and get one and bring them back here. <laughs> well, he's <laughs> laughing, but he also seems to be waving you out of the building. You better go while you still can, Dottie. Don't worry, we'll be all right. <laughs> okay, I'll be back as soon as I can. Good luck, you two. Safe journeys. Oh, good. So he's completely off his rocker. Ow! I think you had that one coming. And, hey, uh, credit where it's due. That's a solid uppercut you have there. Why, thank you. Hurry up, Mr. Robot. Our blimp is docked on that gantry over there. Tabulating. I'm not getting into this blimp versus dirigible argument with you right now. Okay, you're secure? Tabulation complete. Good. I think between the two of us, we can get this thing in the air. I guess I should call the Colonel first and see what he thinks I should do next. This is Junior Agent Dottie calling the Colonel. Over. 
Yes, yes, hello. Ahoy, hoy. This is the Colonel speaking. You'll have to speak up as I'm engaged in a bit of a benjo at the moment. Seems the interdimensional rift over the Atlantic Ocean that we thought we had sealed has been breached by, as it turns out, a seal. How ironic. I think I'm using that right. Horses? That sounds exciting. Is that young Dotty? Yes, sir. Capital. What's the status of... Back you! This ordinary, everyday sword cane is nothing of the kind. It'll chop through you like... Terribly sorry, Dotty. Quite rude of me. What's the status of Agents Matt and Algar? Well, sir, they've been captured and imprisoned by the robotsmith. Oh, bad show. Yes, sir. But I was able to ensure their safety by citing the Treaty of Aquatropolis. <laughs> you indeed. Excellent work. I'm not sure we've many senior agents who would have thought of that one. Thank you, sir. So now, I guess I need to find an authorized representative. I said back. Yeah. Actually, Dotty, I'm afraid you don't have the clearance for this sort of work. I've no doubt that you'd be completely capable of handling things on your own, but ministry rules, don't you know? Polite society's gone and decided the child labor is off limits since I was a lad, and as persons of honor, we must respect that. If we don't... Then we're no better than people like the robot smith. I understand, Colonel. You're a good egg, Dotty. There's a fellow I'm sure you'd get on with out of New York City. That's in New York State, I believe. Not terribly imaginative, but that's Americans for you. In any case, this chap goes by the name of Professor Farrell. Horses? He sounds like a bad guy. He may sound that way, young Dotty, but he's tip-top, ship-shape, and... Oh, blast. What is it, sir? More trouble from that dimensional rift? No, I've just completely drawn a blank on a third phrase to complete that sequence. You must have three, you understand. It's practically a law. Now then, I'll wire the precise coordinates to you now. The good professor should be able to assist you further. You're equipped to get there under your own power. I am, sir. Thank you. Bang up to the elephant. Good luck, happy hunting, and... Oh, for heaven's sake, I've done it again. Safe journeys, sir? Yes, that's it. Safe journeys, Dotty. I've never worked with anyone besides Mr. Matt and Mr. Owl before. This should be exciting. Horses! Horses? What a fancy building! The Colonel's instructions said this Professor Farrell was rich, but I didn't expect him to have a dedicated airship docking station on top of his very own skyscraper. Tabulating. Hold the line, please. Here comes someone. I think it might be him. I can't wait to meet our new partner. Hello there. You must be young... Walter, was it? Junior Agent Dottie, reporting for duty. Right, of course. Walter must be Thursday's arrival, then. And you're Professor Farrell? Surely you've heard of me before. I am, after all, the most decorated agent in the history of the Ministry. Sorry, Mr. Matt and Mr. Owl keep me pretty busy on our adventures. And that's actually why I'm here. I need your help to rescue them from the clutches of an evil scientist. <laughs> oh, goodness. Aren't you a little firecracker? Let's get you outfitted with an official Team Feral uniform, and then you can get started memorizing my loyalty pledge. We recite it in its entirety every morning at 0500. With all due respect, sir. Yes, indeed. I will insist on every last bit of due respect being shown at all times. Now we'll hear no more talk of rescue missions. You're on Team Feral now, and priority one is getting you up to speed on exactly why and how I'm the most decorated agent in the history of the Ministry. Horses. Tune in again for our next exciting installment, The Man of Molybdenum, only on Sarcastic Voyage Theater. NAP TUG ENO
Yes, friends, be sure to ask for that wonder product, Neptogeno. Any place Neptogeno is sold. That's Neptogeno, the product that's so completely ubiquitous, everyone knows what it is, and they always will. N-E-P-T-U-G-E-N-O And now, because all of life's problems make more sense when viewed through the opulent monocle lens of our social betters, we present Letters to Fanny. Good evening. I'm Fanny Morgan the famous socialite ingenue and debutante. We value our listeners here at Sarcastic Voyage Theatre, and we get an awful lot of letters from you lovely people. Let's read some now! Letter 1. Dear Fanny, my mother said if I write into the radio show, you will send us a coupon for a whole bag of flour. Is that true? I haven't eaten in three days. Love little Susie from Chugwater, Wyoming. Oh, oh, and she even included an adorable hand-drawn picture of herself clutching her stomach. Letter two. Dear Fanny, you have a lovely voice. Why, thank you. I am an itinerant wanderer, riding the rails toward the city of destiny. I hope to meet my destiny in that magical place. Perhaps, will you be there waiting for me? And then he's written a semicolon in one half of a parenthesis, which, if you turn the letter sideways, looks a bit like a face winking. <laughs> Love, Frank of Hoboken, New Jersey. Oh, how romantic. But there's no fucking way I'm ever going to Tacoma. Letter three. Dear Fanny, I hear they've already invented a radio, but with images. Seems like a better deal to get to watch talkies in your own home. How long do radio folks plan on keeping this up? Agnes from Chicago, Illinois. Agnes must be referring to the television, but televisions are crude and expensive. That's why radio will always be number one. Not even video can kill the radio star. You may write to me, Fanny Morgan, in care of this station. I would be pleased to read your missives on these sainted waves. But for heaven's sakes, wash your hands before you pick up the pen. <laughs> you people can't possibly be too poor for soap. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States, Mr. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Thank you very much, my fellow Americans. The fine folks of King Worldwide Broadcasting Concern have allowed me to share smaller thoughts which may occur to me between my weekly fireside chats. They have also advised me to include this symbol, which I believe is called a, a diphthong? No, it's an octothorpe, to indicate subjects of continued interest. My so-called opponent in our country's soundest election process has left me to win 98% of the American people's confidences. Alfred M. Landon should perhaps try his hand at this again, in four terms. Octothorpe two-time loser. Eleanor and I may be distantly related, but in spite of these facts, your fifth cousin once removed does not make a first lady five and one times removed from the heart of the American people. Octothorpe kissing cousins. The crooked Wall Street Journal says that my new deal is worse than fascism. Be thankful you'll never have to deal with real fascism, friends. Octothorpe, this means you, Benito. They tell me this one is technically a sub-Octothorpe. I just ran a 5K yesterday for health. Who says that I didn't? Octothorpe legs. This evening, 
whilst Eleanor was out in the town with her gal pal, the role of first lady was dutifully filled by my lovely daughter Anna, Octothorpe Daddy Daughter Day. Ladies, I love a clean counter as much as the next gal, but did you know our top scientists have discovered a new use for your favorite antibacterial solvent? That's right! Here at Hydrosol headquarters, the smartest men we know have assured us that it's perfectly safe for anyone with a vagina to squirt Hydrosol brand antibacterial solvent right up inside the most sensitive part of your body. Just use the special attachment, now included with the purchase of every bottle. Ladies, before your husband gets home, make sure your countertops are clean and bright and make Make sure to freshen up with Hydrosol. Take it away, scientists. Well, your parts don't make sense and we think they're kind of icky. But we feel better knowing that it wasn't quite as sticky. Hydrosol. It's probably fine. Hydrosol. Trust me, I'm a guy. And now, the feature attraction of our program. Meet Mary Madison, star reporter for the King Morning Journal newspaper. She's a hard-hitting journalist with a one-two punch that breaks the story and leaves the other papers flat on the mat. I'm not usually in the habit of visiting the homes of your wealthy society types. Oh, every paper has a section covering swanky galas. And, of course, the weddings of the most important folks in a country founded on the principle that everyone is equally important. My paper was no exception because someone, somewhere, wants to read that. Presumably. But that's not my beat. My stories tend to remain visible even after they're wrapped around the catch of the following day. Assuming you wrap your fish with the front page facing out, of course. Her name was Mrs. Daphne Rockefeller, and she was married, for now anyway, to Mr. Arthur Rockefeller, current owner of the third largest apartment store chain in the country. But I wasn't there to discuss housewares, housecoats, and houseplants. That's on the third floor, by the way. Mr. Rockefeller was currently under indictment for the largest case of securities fraud in this city's history. Given that it's been less than a decade since the great stock market crash, public interest was nearly at pitchfork and torches level. Regarding my husband, you really can't believe what you read in the papers. If it's under my byline, Mrs. Rockefeller, I assure you, you really can. Well, that's just it, Miss Madison. You're not like those other common news hounds. If I don't miss my guess, you're a genuine purebred. You bring a touch of class to the job. A touch that, I might add, is lacking in most, if not all, of your contemporaries. If that's the scent you're picking up, it's time I switch perfumes. Say the word and I could have the latest from Paris brought here within the hour. As far as class is concerned, the only class I represent is the working class. Oh, them. Yes, us. Now then, fascinating as this potential comedy of manners might be, I'm here to talk to you about your husband. Yes, poor Arthur. That adjective is quite possibly the furthest from any I'd use to describe Mr. Rockefeller. Honestly, this whole affair has been blown completely out of proportion. That's why I had them send you, Miss Madison. From what I've gathered reading your work, you have an excellent sense of proportion. I've made it a point to be directly proportional, or at the very least, direct... Oh, oh, mother, I didn't realize you had company. And I was hoping yours had stopped coming round. Hello, Jonathan. Actually, Miss Rockefeller, my Christian name is John, not... Mother, we've corrected you on this point a hundred times if we'd done it once. He's not a Jonathan. He's just a John. My John. If this is a bad time... Oh, it's always a bad time when Mother's in the same room with dear Johnny. I wish you'd write him a dear Jonathan letter to put us all out of our collective misery. Mother, there's only one person here who's miserable, and that's you. Johnny and I just enjoyed a lovely game of tennis, and now we're off for a swim. This is around the time I'd make a sarcastic remark about alerting the media. 
but she's already here. Yes, I thought I recognized Miss Madison. Of the King Morning Journal, is it? That's right. And I suppose you're here to get the lowdown on father. I am, as it happens, writing a story about your father and his current legal troubles. Perhaps you could come speak with me when you're done with the old windbag. The things I could tell- Valid, Rexel Rockaflower. You'll do no such thing. Now I'm going to ask you to do something I only just learned about today. So do tell me if I'm using this wrong, won't you, dear? Yes, mother. Scram! (sighs) Come on, Johnny. I can tell when we're not wanted. Oh, can you? Were you somehow able to cobble all your unfinished degrees into a working knowledge of subtext that allowed you to read between the lines of my extremely subtle messaging? Goodbye, Miss Rockaflower. Don't tell me you don't approve of them, because... (gasps) Miss Madison, what sort of prejudicial Neanderthal do you take me for? My mistake. The boy's no good for my father because he's... Well, you know, he's poor. I'll be sure to keep that to myself and hope that he doesn't find out. Ah! Oh, now what? I don't suppose I could convince you to stay here while I go and see what's going on. I don't suppose you could, no. (sighs) Oh, very well. It sounds like it came from the swimming pool where... Where your boy and his friend just went. It doesn't exactly take a star reporter to put that one together, Mrs. Rockaflower. Yes, I suppose it doesn't. What in the name of Poseidon is this? This can't be your swimming pool. Oh, it is, my dear. It is. It's like M.C. Escher and Esther Williams threw back a gallon of bathtub hooch and then got into a game of truth or dare. This was all Arthur's idea. He wanted a classic hedge maze, but in aquatic form. And who am I to question how Arthur spends our money? After all, there's just so much of it. The mad impulses of the privilege notwithstanding, how exactly do you expect to get what appear to be the bodies of your son and his friend at the bottom of that spiraling waterfall? Oh, well, I... I never could navigate the thing myself. Father was always... Oh, thank heavens, the police. My troubles are over. In case you are doubting my use of the word privileged... She's in here, boys. Yes, hello, officer. It's Detective. Are you Miss Daphne Rockaflower? Yes, that's right. Obviously. Ma'am, I'm placing you under arrest for the murder of your son, Fairly Rockflower, and his beau, John Kirby. Now, just a minute, O'Sullivan. I haven't the time today for you, girl reporter. Run along now. I refuse to be arrested. I have a gala tonight. Remove these garish implements at once. I tell you, I'm a rich woman. All right. Please stop. Please no, let me go on. right now. Herbert, Mary, there's been a development in the Rockaflower case. No, the wife. Yes, I'm completely aware I was just supposed to be interviewing her. Just hold the story, will ya? I'll call again from downtown when I have a better handle on what exactly is going on here. All I can say for now is that she seems to have gotten on Detective O'Sullivan's bad side, as if that jig-dancing flatfoot had a good one. Well now, 
Unless the Lord above himself has returned, as promised, to gather the flock and take us all up to heaven, I can't think of a single other thing that would bring a room full of lawmen to a complete and utter stop. Complete and utter is redundant, detective. A copy editor would tell you to pick one and cut the other. And I'd tell you, when you're fakin' copy editor, exactly where to stick your red pen. Actually, it's a pencil, and it's blue. Doesn't show up in the reproductions. So your assumption is, in every sense, incorrect. Which makes it consistent with the decisions I've seen you make today. Ain't y'all got paddy wagons to fill? Stop bunking off the lot of ya and go serve the bloody public trust. I don't reckon there's any chance a well-placed threat would convince you it's in your best interest to leg it. You know better than that, detective. But if you're willing to go on the record with that threat... My office. Now, I suppose you're here about the Rockefeller double homicide. You mean the alleged double homicide that I know for a fact was not committed by Mrs. Rockefeller? Don't go throwing around your two-dollar words here. If you know a paper that's paying two dollars a word, I've been barking up the wrong pulp tree. But you make a fair point. They say a reporter should write at about a fifth grade level to make their material accessible to the general public. I always forget to lower that bar a little further when I'm talking to a cop. Now, which word was it you took issue with? Alleged. That one's not in a cop's vocabulary. Either you did the ting or you didn't do the ting. How very noble of you to volunteer to take the burden of proof away from the courts, detective. Now see here, what gives you the right? The First Amendment gives me the right. You're familiar with that one, aren't you? Or can't you even count to one? Look, as enticing as the prospect of going another ten rounds with you is... You're fighting well out of your weight class, detective. You and I both know I already have you on the ropes for a total lack of evidence. The woman, Mrs. Rockefeller, had a well-established grudge against that boy her son was seeing. Her husband's current legal troubles are obviously weighing on her, and she flew into a rage and murdered them both. She didn't murder anyone, you thick-witted Muldoon. Then explain the two bodies floating in that ridiculous swimming pool. Oh, so you've managed to navigate that aqueous labyrinth and retrieve the bodies? Then I suppose you wouldn't mind taking me down to the morgue so I could have a look at them myself. Well, we didn't so much as retrieve the bodies as see them at the bottom of the great waterfall. You didn't even send someone down there? The bloody thing's a maze! And we already know she did it. Why would I waste valuable city resources to confirm what's obviously a foregone conclusion? As opposed to the retirement party for Sergeant Flanahan? What are you? The invoice at the top of those papers on your desk, you balled up Abercrombie. I'd recognize the mayor's John Hancock if it was at the bottom row of an eye chart. And speaking of his honor, why don't we give the old boy a call and discuss your rather lackadaisical attitude towards due process? <sighs> All right. What's it gonna take to get you off my back and out of my office? For starters, you could get up off your backside and do the barest minimum of detective work, Detective O'Sullivan. What? You mean right now? I'm sure that innocent woman down in your jail cell, and I know she's innocent because I was there, would appreciate your expediency, yes. <sighs> All right, I'll get me hat. The entire way over here, there's me thinking. How on earth did I let this hearse-chasing hack railroad me into going back to the scene of the crime that's already been solved? 
And you know, I can't say as I've managed to devise a good answer to that question apart from temporary insanity. I can only assume you sobered up in the six-block walk over here. Nobody could manage to sweat as much as you're sweating and maintain the plastered facade of your average city cop. Who'd best be watching yourself, Madison? We're here because of your unwillingness to put in a little legwork. I didn't realize that could be applied literally as well as figuratively. Are you going to tell me what I'm supposed to be looking for here? We can't exactly dust for fingerprints in a swimming pool. Yes, yes, and you can't be bothered to retrieve the two objects you assume are the bodies of Farley Rockaflower and John Kirby. Miss Madison, it may shock and stun you. Again, one of those words would get the job done just fine. To discover that we do not have a dyslexic scuba diver on the police payroll. Surely the Rockaflowers employ someone who manages to navigate this monstrosity for the purposes of cleaning it. So now we're expected to get the pool boy. Detective, what I expected from the police department of this city could have fit into a shot glass this morning. Now you could pour it into a thimble, with room to spare. I know this may tax your limited physical resources, but look down there. What are you... Ah! Ow! I said look down there. Oh, let go of my head, woman. I don't know who you think you are, but... I don't think anything. I know who I am, and I know those aren't bodies down there at the bottom of that waterfall. How do you figure? Well, for one thing, that one doesn't have an arm. Of course it has a... Okay, so it doesn't have an arm. What does that prove? It's a corpse! A corpse that was either shot or drowned, depending on which part of the cockamamie document you laughingly call a police report you're willing to believe. I don't follow. No, I don't suppose you do. We're here at the water, you're the horse I led here, and I still can't get you to drink. That was a metaphor, detective. You can put that flask away. So the body doesn't have an arm. What does that prove? It doesn't prove anything, but it does raise, and this may be a phrase you're unfamiliar with, so I'll say it slowly, a reasonable doubt. Are you going somewhere with this, or are you going to stand here speculating all day? Because if we are, I'm going to need a bigger flask. Not only do I have to dot your eyes, but now I have to connect those dots for you. Tell me, detective, what do you know about this John Kirby? What's to know? The rock of flower boy thought he was the elephant's eyebrows, but his family didn't approve. Between the two of us, I'd guess we've seen some version of this story a thousand times. Between the two of us? is a chasm so vast you could sail a coffin ship from the old country. One of us was willing to do their homework, and it wasn't the one whose job title implies a certain measure of detecting. What are you driving at? Farley Rockaflower met John Kirby in his family's department store, where he, Kirby, was arranging mannequins. And... And the reason he was arranging mannequins is because... He makes mannequins. I'm not following. Why start now? Those two bodies down there, which are your only real evidence that a murder took place here, are mannequins. Now <laughs> see here. I have been seeing here, and I've been trying to get you to do the same since the Taft administration. Now, if it isn't too much to ask, Detective, I think we should go to the 26th Street warehouse of Rock of Flowers Department Store. Where John Kirby is employed making mannequins. Right, of course. Okay, I was about to say that. So, uh, after you, I suppose. You'd better believe after me. We're too far into this dance for you to start pretending you know how to lead. Sure, and this ain't the most unsettling place I ever laid eyes on. 
I find that very hard to believe, detective, seeing as you managed to survive prohibition. All these giant dolls. Mannequins? Call them what you like. All right, then I'll call them what they are. That fits my usual M.O. You know what an M.O. is, don't you? No, don't answer that. We don't have time. I don't know how you can walk through a warehouse full of lifeless wax statues like it's no big deal. You know I got my start on the political beat, right? Oh, and that be the ga- ghostly wails of an accursed phantasm. Oh, saints preserve us. I'd say that flask of yours keeps you pretty well pickled already. Where, where are you going? You're not walking toward the unearthly din, are you? Oh, Sullivan, you've known me for a lot of years. Have you ever known me to move in any direction but towards a story? <clears throat> oh, sweet Barnum and Bailey. It's like I said, that's the dead rock of flower boy. And his sweetheart. You hear that, John? Sweetheart. You're my sweetheart. I heard. Meet me, kid. I'm someone's sweetheart. Oh, sweetheart, won't you join me for a rousing night on the town? Why, darling, I'd be delighted. You dance ever so divinely. La la la, la la da, la la la, la la Stop dancing around like jackasses, you two. This is important. Why, have we done something wrong? Dear me, I hope not. I have a reputation to uphold. Your morally upstanding family would be positively scandalized should you find yourself on the wrong side of the law. Social outcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, your mother's horrible. Oh, as it happens, oh, as it happens, you, Farley Rockaflower, are currently the only member of your immediate family who isn't in a hooskow. Well, of course I know about Papa, but what on earth has Mater gone and gotten herself into? Apart from her morning pitcher of Bloody Marys. <laughs> Daphne Rockaflower was arrested this morning by Detective O'Sullivan here under suspicion of throwing the lead at the two of you. But we haven't had any lead thrown at us, assuming that means murder. I think we'd have been the first to know about that if it had happened. Unless you think we're ghosts. You don't think we're ghosts, do you, Detective? Why in the world would you believe we'd been murdered? Well, there uh, was... In the detective's defense, a position I take with some reluctance, and in interest of moving things along here, there are two bodies at the bottom of your family's absurd swimming pool. Bodies? You suppose she means the mannequins? Yes, she must mean the mannequins. Those were mannequins. We'd sorted that out, after a fashion. All right, now. Just to satisfy my own curiosity... Why did you throw two mannequins into your pool? To have a mannequin race, of course. Of course. Johnny's been designing a special aquadynamic that's like aerodynamic, but for the water. Yes, I put that one together. A special aquadynamic mannequin expressly for the purpose of racing them in our pool. He's quite brilliant, this man of mine. You're making me blush. You wear it well, sweetheart. (sighs) But what about... What about the gunshots? Gunshots? That's right. Two of them? I counted them myself. Those were starter's pistols. Of course they were. For starting the The mannequin mannequin race. race. I got it. So that answers all of your questions. Could we please get back to what we were doing? I suppose so. Now, just hold on a minute. I'm the lawman here. I'll say when all the questions have been answered. All right, I think we're done here. La 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 la
What I don't understand is how that horrible detective is still on the force when he has such a flagrant disregard for good policing. Funny how you society types take an interest in good policing when it affects one of you. I- is that funny? If so, I'm afraid I've missed a step. Couldn't have said it better myself. The important thing is, this is all behind me now, and I might still make my galley if I put the whip to the help. You know I've never been accused of being slavishly devoted to the niceties, but I will say this. When someone single-handedly shoves a penny into the fuse box of the electric chair for you, it's customary to say thank y'all. Oh, of course, silly me. Let me just... Here. Here's ten dollars for your trouble. I wish I could say that I'm insulted by this, but I'm not. It is sad, though. Sad? That you don't know the difference between gratitude and a gratuity any more than you know the difference between a wax dummy and your own son. Good day, Mrs. Rockaflower. This episode of Sarcastic Voyage Theatre featured Mark Bosco, Christy Brannan, George Lowe, Brian Lynch, Kara O'Connor, Matt Robotham, Amanda Smith, Sabrina Snyder, Ron Algar-Watt, and Jason Wallace. It was written by Mark Bosco, Christy Brannan, Kara O'Connor, Amanda Smith, and Ron Algar-Watt. With original music by Christy Brannan, Kara O'Connor, and Ron Algar-Watt. It was produced by Algar Productions, copyright 2018.